Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to Conversations with Yael Podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each month, I will invite leading thought leaders, pastors, rabbis, and other influential guests to discuss the importance of Israel in the world today. For those familiar with my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, which explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, this podcast takes that understanding and translates it into ongoing support for Israel among Christians and the critical need to nurture that support with the next generation of Christians. Join me now as we begin this important dialogue. Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Today, I welcome to the podcast a powerhouse in the Christian media world, Dr. Steve Green, the publisher and executive vice president at Charisma Media and the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. In addition to hosting his own podcast, Green Lines and At Work with God, Dr. Green is a champion and mentor to the nearly 300 podcast hosts including me, who are part of the Charisma Podcast Network. Dr. Green has a PhD in marketing from Memphis State and has had a variety and extensive career in marketing, specifically media marketing, having worked in television station management, working directly with more than 80 stations throughout the U.S. He has owned restaurants, a national advertising agency, and a syndicated marketing research firm. In addition, Dr. Green has served as the Dean of the College of Business and Professor of Marketing at ORU, Oral Roberts University. He's a nationally known speaker and trainer in the fields of marketing and customer relations management and is the author of Love Leads, the spiritual connection between your relationships and productivity, which we'll talk about on today's conversation. Dr. Green, I'm glad that you are here with me today, and I'm glad I got through that very long and amazing introduction. <laughs> it is you an honor to have you on my podcast. <laughs> I'm so honored to be with you. I had such a, a great podcast with you on, on our show, and you just amazed me. You uh you were just a great guest, and, and I've had so much good feedback on it and thought we had a great time together, and I feel like I know you so well now just from that one show. It's amazing. I know as I was reading all of this introduction, everything that you have not only accomplished but really been a trailblazer in throughout your life, the whole time I was just thinking, but this is just Dr. Green. He's just a regular person who's both yes, brilliant and accomplished but so down to earth and so easy to talk to. So I'm so glad and excited for what we're going to do today on this podcast. Well, I honor you for who you are and your ministry and the work that you're doing and just thrilled to be on your show. I know it's a good show that people enjoy it. You're doing such a good job with podcasting, picked up another skill set. You know, I think that's been one of the gifts that the Lord has given me is quick adoption of new media. Mm. I, I'm so old. I was around when cable TV started. <laughs> FM radio was just beginning at one point in my career. I remember as a child sitting on the floor watching black and white TV with three channels on it with, in my my parents' home, and I've just kind of been, because media has really blown up in my lifetime, I've just always been at the forefront of, of being there. And and then at the beginning of the internet, which I did not found, <laughs> I'm not that guy, but at the beginning <laughs> of the internet, I did bring advertising model 
to TV stations on the internet. Wow. So we took our broadcast television clients and brought them over to uh, internet. Now you won't find any TV station that have their own webpage. And of course they sell ads on it that goes with TV. So I was at the beginning of that and so many other things that are part that we would all call media now. And I didn't have any idea that that's where God would take me as a media guy or really as a marketer. Well, it's very cool how God has used you both to further your skills in this practical media area, but always yeah. to bring your faith into it. And that's actually the first question that I want to ask you. When we talked back in the spring, you talked about how charisma is a very pro-Israel and how you see your Jewish friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord as an extension here in Israel, where I'm talking to you from. So I wanted to know, what are your roots in Israel and where did your love for Israel and the Jewish people come from? It's so hard to describe it, Yael. I, I think it's a great question. I just was born with it. You know, I wow. growing up in the South, I've, I saw so much racial prejudice hmm. uh you know i spent a lot of time in high schools that had riot police in it over black white riots and it was part of my the, my era of going to school and i was so uh I, I just didn't like anything to do with any type of prejudice hmm. and so i had jewish friends who were uh, victims of anti-semitic behavior and i saw that and i just I was repelled by it. And I can't say it any other way that it's not look at me, look at how great I am. It's, I just didn't, right from the beginning of my life, very young, I can remember having good friends who were Jewish because I, I just loved, I liked who they were. I just connected with the people. I didn't label them. I've got Jewish friends. I've got right. this kind of friend and that kind of friend. It, it wasn't that. They were just my friends. And uh, over my life, God has placed me, every city that I've gone to and every work that I've gone into, I've had a really good Jewish friend. I mean, a great one. Uh, when I was in the franchising business, uh, uh, one of our franchisors is Jewish, uh, Orthodox, and I learned so much about, I didn't understand what even what it meant to be Orthodox, uh, because I wasn't that close. And so went to synagogue, I understood the festivals from him, taught me a lot. I just seemed like every time we were together, I was asking him questions about the lifestyle. And that grew, I met other people in TV stations, uh, met folks who were of that faith. And again, never really had a relationship with a Messianic Jew. They were always, uh, all my friends were Orthodox. Wow. And so there was a training for me there. And I asked a lot of questions and I was hungry and read books and, um, Listen to some uh, really good, uh, um, on TV, uh, good shows, and, and, and I, I learned and I studied and I just had a hunger for it. Raised my kids to not know the difference and not you know, understand how important it is to pray for Jerusalem, to pray for peace in Jerusalem. I, I taught my children that as early as we were taking them to Sunday school, wow. that it was part of our faith to uh, love the people of Israel. So I don't know if that answers your question. It's the only way I know to answer it. It's the, as truthful as I can be. Amazing. It was the, it was the relationships I made yeah. that made me uh, love Israel before I was commanded to in the Bible. I understood it. 
Okay. I think it's so beautiful how, and, and it really puts such a big responsibility on each of us as people of faith, as yes. Jews, as Christians, to remember we represent a nation of Amen. people Come and on. every interaction we have, every person we meet, just by giving a smile, saying a nice word, suddenly people could think something about Christians or think something about people who grew up in the South. There are so many different forms of prejudice. Yes. And just by being genuine, nice, and representing God and faith, we have the opportunity to change history because what you've done, Dr. Green, is through these positive experiences of meeting different Jewish people and exploring your Christian roots through their experiences and learning from their synagogue, maybe how Jesus prayed and how he celebrated the feasts. And just like it says in Romans, tapping onto that uh, conviction that Christians are yes. grafted onto the rich olive tree of Israel. Yes. Suddenly you now in this huge platform of charisma have the ability to really go out and influence others other Christians to stand yeah. and pray for Israel. So it's amazing to hear. And I heard that you've never been to Israel. So first of all, I'm inviting you to Israel. I want to see the olive trees. I want to see fig trees. I want to see the, the uh, natural beauty that I'm understanding that yeah. you're growing so much more produce now and you're exporting fruit and vegetables higher than ever, that the beauty of the area is coming back, the desolation. Yeah. I've got... Uh, what I know to call coffee table books, uh -huh. two really good ones uh, uh, about Israel and then one on Jerusalem. Wow. And they're just so beautiful that the book has a before and after photos of like a hundred years ago versus now. Amazing. And to see how beautiful the country is. So I'm a photographer uh, by hobby and I do a little bit of it that I have to for work, but I want to take the pictures I want to take. I want to take pictures of people yeah. uh, loving living, being a part of, of their lifestyle. I wish I could be at uh, the festival so I could just take pictures. And it's not a cool thing to do, but I just want to capture people being people. You I know, think it's I really about, cool. I write I about think, people being yes, people. Yes, yes. And I think that's really cool, Dr. Green. I think that's the coolest thing in the world because when I, I totally relate to it of wanting to see and yes. write about People just being people, because in Israel, where you have the ingathering of the Jewish people, you see biblical prophecy coming to life. So you see the Ethiopian who came from the lost tribe of Dan, and you yes. see the person from India who came from the lost tribe of Manasseh, yes. and you see the North American Jews and the French Jews and the Russian Jews and the Jews from Egypt and from Iraq and from Iran. And so there's no such thing as typical or boring in Israel because every single person, like you said, just especially now during this holiday season, seeing people blowing the shofar and you think oh, about Abraham when he was, yes, here in Jerusalem. Yes. Okay. It's a date. We closed All on right. that. <laughs> well, I also want to say to you, I'm not that building focused. Like that's the place where Paul preached the sermon. I, right. That doesn't interest me. I want to mm -hmm. see the people. I want to see life now. Right. I want to see the remnant. You know, yeah. I want to see yeah. Aliyah, the, the folks that are coming back and why they're gathering. I don't right. know if this is that, if this is that gathering. Yeah. But, but I think it's close. If it's not, it, it's sure going to be sometime soon. Yes. The words seem. of the prophets coming to life. But yes. Dr. Green, so I'm, I hear you speaking and I relate to every word. And I'm wondering, how is what you're saying of your love for Israel, your passion for the people, your interest in the culture, your, your, your 
real understanding of the land and it seems yes, like connection to the land. How is that relevant to your Christian faith and why do you think it should be relevant to other Christians? It's a really good question. I think we all are part of the solution to anti-Semitism. Hmm. And I want to continue to say that because I, that is the reason I was hungry when I was young because I did not understand how anyone could be anti-Semitic. I didn't, I, I just, I kept asking. I've asked Jews, why? How did this happen? I know about Hitler. I know all the history. I know uh, the genocide yeah. of your people. And I don't understand it. Yeah. Still, I've read everything I could because I was curious. So the only answer I know is to be intentional about swinging the pendulum the other way wow. and to develop relationships. That the key to my book, as you know, is relationships. Of course. The key to, to loving leadership, you can't lead someone you're not in a relationship with or that you don't desire it. I don't want to be their boss. I want to be their colleague. And as a colleague, I want to lead them in a way that comes that, that causes them to want to come up higher. So I want our generation to come up higher in how we treat other people. Yes. That's what's wrong in America right now, really across the world. We're just also anti-something. Right. Anti against everything and just fill in the blank of what it is today. And it's grown in my lifetime. And and I thought I thought anti-Semitism was a thing of the past. I thought it was right. over, you know, with the wars, the great wars. And I thought that would end it. Yeah. But it's it's always been subterranean, it seems like, because of my naivete. I didn't see it, didn't write against it, and 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 do everything that I could could to not carry a sign, but to just build relationships. Mm. You know, I, I can't do a lot with media because you have to be on the side of wanting to hear it. Right. You know, right now media is so divisive in itself. We have the channel I watch and the channel I won't watch. Right. You know, and the people I'll hang out with and the people I won't. You know, when when the new disciples were trying to figure out who to have dinner with and they would come in and separate themselves. They automatically went to their little corner of the room and said, we can't have a meal with them. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're not that far away from that. Wow. You know, but the wow. answer is still the same. The way that uh, Paul rebuked that behavior and said, who are you? You're grafted in, you're, you're in the vine and, and who you are says that because of the love of Christ that you form relationships, you're a relationship builder. Wow. So I, I've waxed on too long about this, but I really want to say to you that my mission through media is to build relationships, to really write love, to be it. Don't I don't find it does a whole lot of good to preach sermons. I think it does a lot more good to live it yes. and let people see it and feel it and know that it's genuine. Judge my the reality of my genuineness toward others as opposed to judging the words in a sermon that might not be all that great sermon is just to you and I didn't know each other, but we had a really good chat right. and, a, and a, an intentional attitude to form a relationship right. and boom, you know, that's all it takes. We it's just amazing. need to be intentional about forming relationships with each other. Wherever I go, whoever I meet today, I, the keys to the kingdom are relationships. Hmm. It's so beautiful because we're in a world that is based on interconnectedness. We have social media. We have all these tools that keep us more connected than ever. And yet, like you said, there's more divisiveness than ever. 
And what's happening is people are saying it in the name of faith or in the name of yeah. as if it's something good. And I love the example you brought up that no, 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 both in Jewish and Christian faith, divisiveness is not something holy. No. Staying with people who agree with you and will say, yes, 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 is not something that's considered holy. Going out and speaking to the other and respecting them and loving them. And I think that's the key is once you have a relationship, once you speak to them, suddenly you realize there's something that I love within them because everyone's just human. And I hear God looking down and saying, just like he did to Cain and Abel, where is your brother? And I feel oh, that my. this is our generation. Are we going to look up and say, am I so my brother's good. keeper? Or are we going to say, ah, I know my brother. I just spoke to him yesterday. He's yeah. <laughs> he's doing good things. He thinks a little bit different than I, but we love each other. I take yeah. responsibility for him. He takes responsibility for me. It's an amazing opportunity through this communication channel to get the message out. So Dr. Green, you are a master communicator and you have the channels to spread the message and you know this generation. What would you say is the one message that both the Jewish and Christian community needs to hear now? Well, I come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Mm -hmm. I don't think that any of us are living abundantly because we have so many enemies. We spend, mo look at social, you can't open social media without seeing the division, you know, and the church is about unity. Yeah. You know, the, what, whatever our faith is, it's based on unity and, and, and we're divisive inside of our own churches. That's why we got one on every corner. You know, I get mad about something at church. I don't like the song leader. I don't like the songs we sang and the order we sang them. It was, I wish they would have sung that song. I like, you know, goofy stuff. We, we bust up churches over preferences and opinions We've where, gotten petty. Oh my goodness, so petty. And and you see it in what people wax on about, in you know, what, what they're willing to riot about. Right. Where I want to write about genocide. <laughs> you know, yes. About Amen. Emotional genocide. Yes. You know, the yes. way women are treated across the world, the, the fear that women have right now in a country very near you and the, the bad things that are going on and how people are being yes. treated, the fear that people are living in right now. It shouldn't be this way. It's 2021. Yeah. You know, we're so advanced as a cult in every country, advanced, but because of our behaviors, we're declining. Right. And we're, we're going back to what's next. Are, you know, are we going to become more animalistic? Mm -hmm. Because we're sure acting like it. We're doing things that animals do. Wow. So what do you see as the biggest challenge right now? It sounds like I heard you say so many different areas. What's what's the what's the main key that once we put our finger on a specific what's the challenge? Is it divisiveness? Is it our pettiness? Is it that we think we deserve so much? Is it that we're in a way that we're connected, we're really disconnected because we yeah. care so much about the songs our neighbors are playing on the radio or the the sermon that the pastor gave at church, but we don't care enough about the people in Syria who are being bombed or the women in Afghanistan. What would yeah. you say in our generation is is the is what kind of keeps you up at night. Okay. I I want to talk about all those other places in the world that are having troubles, but the problem is my own zip code's got problems. Hmm. And so my, my message would be first get your zip code connected, get, get things right in your hood, on your street. How many, you may not know this in America, but 
most of us don't know our neighbors. I mean, there are pockets of rural areas that know their neighbors pretty well, but in cities and metropolises, we don't even speak to our neighbors. We don't know who they are. We may know what they look like. We may not because we park in the garage, the door goes down, we go in our house. We don't right. see anybody. Yeah. And we sure don't fellowship. We don't break bread. So I'd say in my zip code, in my, my nucleus of my circle, mm-hmm. is to find things we agree upon and talk about those things. Find agreement and, and stop trying to find out what we, our early discussions are, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And then I'll decide if I'll break bread with you. Right. I, that's wrong. Let's start, first of all, with our areas of agreement. Zero in on what we love about each other and see that and turn blind and, and then hope that our influence and our lifestyle will persuade and inform and draw a relationship based on commonality common we have so much in common yes. you and i have more alike than we're different yes as, yes as people even though we're culturally very different race totally different we've got a lot of common ground and we be- believe in a lot of the same things we don't have to spend time interviewing each other to find out what we don't agree with because right. there'll be a bunch of them yeah. there'll be a line of them you know maybe even scripture where we don't see it the same way so right. you know we'll We'll all agree in heaven. I know that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure in heaven, we're going to be in great relationship. And we're not going to stand around with Paul and debate him over that one scripture we don't understand. <laughs> we're just going to love on him and, and, and just say, thanks for your word, brother. It got me wow. through that Philippians 4 stuff was good. It got wow. me through a lot of hard days. So it reminds I'm not being me. silly. I don't yeah. want to be silly about this, but it's my zip code. It's my street. Right. It's right. my relationships that are in my core circle. It's really interesting, Dr. Green, because it reminds me of two things. First of all, um, we recently remembered, commemorated 20 years of 9-11. I can't believe yes, it's man. been 20 years. It feels like yesterday. Um, but I, I saw something very powerful. I read a lot on how do we keep their memory alive? How do we remember that atrocity yeah. that struck America? How do, we, how do we honor those that perished? How can we make a better future for our children by learning from that day? And, and the most powerful thing that I saw was something that said, how can you honor those who died on September 11th live every day like you lived on September 12th? That we have to bring that unity that we saw the day after. That's the best way that we can honor them. And what's amazing is that I, you know, I grew up in America and I grew up on the saying, uh, don't talk to strangers, very much of what you're talking about. And and you break bread with those who are like you and you get in conversation with people who agree and you have a very limited circle. And, And that's, I think, what's very different in Israel, that in Israel, I raised my children if you need anything, you go up and ask the closest stranger to you. Because in Israel, it's a diff- it's this feeling that we're all in this together. And maybe I that's what, yeah, maybe that's what being surrounded by terrorists that want to kill you brings. Maybe that's what uh, brings you together when everyone has children who are in the army. Everyone has, as soon as your child's 18 years old, they're in the army. They're all fighting to protect this country side by side. Those who come from all different parts of the world, those who are religious or secular, those who are right wing or left wing, 
your children are all fighting the same to defend this country. And and that kind of, when people say, how could you live in Israel? Isn't it scary raising children in Israel? And you're surrounded by enemies and you have to run to your bomb shelter and you're living from war to war. And just yesterday I was in Jerusalem, just a block away as there was a stabbing in Jerusalem. Two people were stabbed. And how do you live like that? What I always say is in Israel, we have the external threat but we have the internal unity that in Israel, the unity that you feel within the people who are so different from you, a woman from Yemen who came on a boat and got married when she was 14 and has a totally different lifestyle than me who was raised in America. Suddenly we sit and have coffee together for hours or I'll have at my Shabbat table, somebody who lives in Judea and Samaria, what's known as the settlements sitting together with a left-wing activist who dedicates their life against settlements And somehow they could disagree, but love each other and talk about other things and recognize they both want what's best for Israel. They just disagree on how to get there. And there's something, there's a certain string tying the people together in Israel that that I look at my family and friends in America and say, "I, I bless you to know this unity because it's what keeps a nation alive. Yes. You know, you just preached a powerful sermon there. And and I think... All of us, if we just do that, if we just do what you said, we, we're we afraid to talk to our neighbors. We, we think they could harm us. Yeah. You know, look at the people who, I've, I've been in New York City a lot for business and walk the streets. And, you know, you're told don't make, don't make eye contact. Hmm. People don't want to look at you. They don't want you to look at them. Wow. Yeah. Is, look, look at, let's go to uh, September 12th and, and look at where we are today. And look at how far we have digressed. Yeah. How we've gone back to the worst maybe in my life. I've never seen it like this. I know it's been like this before. I know that we've always struggled as as countries. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm praying for that next revival. <laughs> I want. I hope I'm alive during the revival so that we can see the flip because it will flip. It's going to turn. Yeah. That much I know. Yeah, there's a saying in Hebrew, Yeshua Tashem Keheref Ein, redemption from the Lord comes in a blink of an eye. And it's oh something that is so important to not only know, but to believe that when you see that the world is so crazy and the world is so upside down and the people are so divided and the terror is overcoming and it seems like everyone's gone crazy, to really believe in a deep way. Yeshua Tashem Keherifayin, in a second, God can turn it around. And, and we know that's what's going to happen. And the question is, when will that moment come that it will all turn around? When will that yes. moment come that we're going to be united, see the glory of God, feel that message and vision of, of unity, of oneness? Because as we know, Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad, God is one and his name is one. That's it. We're all part of this oneness. Amen. So it's something so powerful. So that's very so good. powerful. Yeah. So good. I mean, I could yeah. listen to that all day. Hmm. And that's what we we gotta be careful what we hear. We gotta yeah. be careful what we listen to. We gotta be careful what gets into us and makes us become this agitated, worrisome, all the things that Paul said don't be, you know, where we start worrying about everything except what's in front of us. Right. You know, this meeting is more important to me than anything I can do right now. Yes. That's that's what we have to be over our coffee and our tea to uh, just respect who we're with. Respect. Yes. How about starting there? Amen. 
Amen. So I want to ask you something, Dr. Green. In your book, Love Leads, you write about spiritual leadership. So as someone in leadership, uh, this topic really resonates with me. And I I want you to explain, uh, maybe for our audience, and maybe I'm just saying that because I want to hear you explain for me, (laughs) what spiritual leadership really means. Explain to all of us, what does spiritual leadership mean? What does it look like? I'm going to try to describe it. I think you'll know it when you see it. And when you hear me say it, you go, yes, that's spiritual leadership. Hmm. Certainly, it's my source is not I'm leading you to some uh, building or to some profit and loss statement, or I'm leading you to some uh, accomplishment that's got dollar signs in front of it or something that we can point to and get a trophy or hold an object. Mine is to lead you to develop your skill set and to grow okay. that where I don't want you to be the same in a period of time, a year, six months, whatever the time frame is, we're together. I want to have impacted you to where you're at a different place where I, I see your gifts before I really know you, I catch your gifts and I try to, and I learned this as a college professor for 30 years. Yeah. You know, a Dean of a college, I learned to see the C and D students to see their gifts and to show them that they really were an A student. They just didn't have it. They didn't understand it yet. They weren't operating in their gifts. They were afraid of their weaknesses. And so I, you know, I know when I'm weak, he's going to make me strong. That's good. Mm. So let me find your strengths in you and to advance your strengths beyond your capability to see it in yourself. So if I'm leading you spiritually, what does God say? Come up higher. Mm. What did he say to Elijah? Come up, get in the way of the Lord. Come up the, the mountain and get in the way as I pass by. Don't we need to lead our young people, the people that report to us, our people yes. that we lead? Don't we want to lead them into the presence of the Lord? Yes. And if we get them in the way, get them in the way of God, of God's path, then their gifts are going to grow. They're going to blow yes. up. I don't have to take them in. Training is good. We're both trainers. We spend time with people. We help them become better. And I'm an educator and a teacher. So I do want to do that. But I do it through the Lord, that if I teach, it needs to be lining up with Scripture. It needs to be truth. It needs to line up and not teach them some man's heresy of how to come up higher, but to come up higher, to stay close to the Lord and and the understanding of what God wants for us. He wants us to improve every day by the power of the Holy Spirit, by understanding who we are in Him, who I am in Him, and let those that's a spiritual leader helping you to become who God made you with all the skill sets that he gave you. Not that I will. I'm just going to wake you up. <laughs> I think that's spiritual leadership. Wow. Wow. It's beautiful because we know that we were given life by the breath of God that he breathed into our nostrils. And so yes. we all have a part of God inside of us with every breath we take, we're breathing a part of God. And so what I hear you saying is if we could see that part of God within each person, then we can make them be an A student in whatever they're doing in life. And I know yeah. that there are many people, and maybe it was maybe it worked for previous generations who would who would try to strengthen people by putting them down, by criticizing them. But I think for this generation, there's only one thing that works. And in reading your books, it seems that if you had to choose one word of what helps somebody grow, it would be love. It does. It, because if you love, you care about growing. 
Right. You know, I love my wife for 49 years. Yeah. What I, I want her to grow. I want us to grow. I want to keep working on what's working yeah. and stop working on things that I see on some TV show or some book or whatever. It's right. just be yeah. us. Yeah. You know, like, what do you want to do this weekend? Let's just be, let's just sit together. Let's just sit outside and drink coffee or what? I'm oversimplifying it, but it's just being, right. be with the one you're with. Because I'm so away from her because of work and our busy lives. I'm away from her too much. And so I want to be with her more, even after 49 years. That's where I'm at peace is when I'm with she that I'm one with. That's what God wants for me to be. And so how much more should I crave that oneness uh, with the King of Kings? Beautiful, beautiful. Wow, I could uh, I could definitely relate. I remember when I got married 17 years ago, um, yeah. I, there was a woman there who was in love, in love, in love with her husband, and he was in love with her, and they were married for 60 years. They were almost 80 years old. And I asked her, give me one piece of advice. And she said, Love is a decision, not an emotion. And when you make that decision, the emotion will come, the emotion will go. But when you're always deciding to be in love, you make the space for that emotion to come back. So it's very much about being. And yes, exactly, exactly. So it's beautiful. Absolutely. And praying together and holding hands. And that's, and that's connected to God. You make a decision to be connected to God. And when you feel connected, when you don't feel connected, you know that he's always there the same. And when I don't feel like it, I read my Bible. When I don't feel like it, I pray. You stay committed. I stay committed to the process, to what he said to the disciples in John 15, around in there, remain. He can't, Mm. he told those knotheads, (laughs) remain, because he knew they were going to go walking off. They're going to go walk about. They're going to go do their thing. And they did. But he kept saying, remain, 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 because he knew they were going to go away. They're going to walk away. Wow. And, you know, they came back. Go ahead. So what biblical leaders have inspired you? I've heard you quote throughout this podcast, lots of biblical leaders, both from the Old Testament, the New Testament. So I know that that every biblical character is really ingrained in your soul. And I see you take lessons from every verse and every biblical character. But who would you say is that one character who has inspired you and a modern day leader as well who has inspired you? Well, I'm going to go to Nehemiah because he it was a builder. He was a rebuilder. He had vision for what other people looked at, walked by every day, and him, eh, it's okay. Somebody else will do it. But he said, let's do it. And then he said this famous thing, which guided me as a parent. It, guided, it guides me as a leader, as a marker. Uh, when people said, come on down, when the guys tried to get him off the wall. the most my, One of my most favorite verses in the Bible is I'm doing a good work and I cannot come down. As you look at your children and you look at them and someone says, I need you to come to a meeting. No, I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. I don't need another (laughs) meeting. I don't need another Friday night thing. I have my places that I'm opening up. But as this, I'm going to stay on the wall that God gave me. And this is for your people who are listening, for anyone who's listening to this podcast, that make sure that the work you're doing, that you stay on that wall and you do your good work. We don't need our head turned by a shiny object or another meeting, or another, you know how Satan messes with us? He gives us more to do, gets us distracted, <laughs> gives us a little carrot of, you could do this, you could come over here and be the president of that, and achieve right. this, and no, you know, stay stay close to that thing that really matters. Yes. Most. See what that is, and stay on the wall, That that's why Zach, because he built, 
Unshakable values. Put. Come on. Unreal. Go to stay put. They're, they don't run around and like, I feel led to stop doing what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. They don't move around. Mm-hmm. I'm committed. I make a decision and I build it until I see the fruit. And that's... And until the Lord leads me. Amen. You know, even Moses, Abraham, they all got moved yep. to something else, but they finished the work. Right. Right. Following. So I hope calling. that's a good answer. It's my Oh answer. my gosh. I think it's so it's, relevant to this ADD generation yeah. <laughs> where everyone starts something and moves on yeah. and starts this and moves on. Our life has become like those paper plates that you just use and throw out that it's so important oh to be able to say, no, I am doing something important. It's, I think that's the message that our, our generation especially now has to hear. So who would you say the modern leader is who you, who you could look up to appreciate that, that you really feel inspired by? Well, I'm going to do one. Some people will know Uh, he's uh, he was the president of Oral Roberts university when I was there. Of course. Uh, I met him in my around 59, 60 years old. And I hadn't had a real good role model as a leader. And Mark Rutland uh, it became a leader to me, not a father figure, a leader figure. Mm-hmm. You know, people will say all the time that, well, you're projecting him into a father role. Well, there might be some of that. But more than that, he got things done. He was he led with love. He was a servant. Yeah. You know, he, he servant led. And servant led people do not care for themselves and what they need. And they'll stay on the wall and they'll build when others aren't. They'll do the work. Right. They'll do that. And uh, Mark has written a lot of great books. He wrote, I, I taught, I, I audited a class as a professor and a dean. I audited his class on the life of David. And he wrote a great book on King David. That That's uh, Mark's favorite character in the Bible is King David. And how he writes about him and how he deals with the mess of David's life and the restoration yeah. of his life. It's so us. It's so real to totally. me. Totally. We're that it. little boy in back that everyone said nothing will come from them. <laughs> There's more important people. Yeah. And that yeah. And then each one of us has to remember that we have we have been destined for kingship. Yes. And <laughs> However lonely we look. We're yes. already at the banqueting table. We're already there. We just have to act oh. like it. We're not gonna know who we are. We just gotta know that we're royal priesthood. Uh-huh. You know, and I think that's what a leader does to me is he never lets me doubt that I'm valuable. Yes. That I'm needed, that I'm important, that a leader is going to, on my work, this is one of my goals as a leader, on your worst day, Yael, if we're working together, I want to be at my strength. Amen. Because you'll do that for me because we all have our worst days. But what I learned from Mark, I asked him this important question one day. I said, what do you think I should do? I had this option. Do I go left or do I go right? He said, Steve, I'm not your Holy Spirit. Hmm. (laughs) That has stuck with me for so long that, you know, sometimes we ask men when we haven't even prayed it. We haven't even stuck, snuck up on the Lord and just jumped up into his lap and said, what do you think, Lord? Where do I go? What do I do? To get that answer first and then seek the counsel of godly men and women. Yes. But, you know, I'm kind of all over the place here for you, Yael. But I think what I'm trying to say is, that when we do that, when we pour into people, it's going to come from what we've got in us. I can only give you what I've worked hard to pull down from the presence of the Lord. And that's going to be my legacy is what I've deposited, not what I kept. Yeah. What I've deposited in others. 
authenticity is the key. I think we're in a generation yes. now where you can no longer preach if you haven't lived it. You can no yes. longer tell someone about any sort of Bible verse if you haven't felt its meaning, that we're in a generation so not just of knowledge, but of feeling. And it's so uh, and once you feel it, then... You, you have what to give, you own it. It's like, it's like a light, you know, there are some things, everything physical, if you have it and you share it with someone else, you no longer have it. But that's the beauty of spirituality. It's like a candle. If you have a candle, you can go around and share that fire with another candle and another candle. And however many candles you light up, nothing diminished from your candle. And that's, Amen. I think, when we, when we really, Good. make spirituality and godliness authentic we're able to share it without losing any of it ourselves yes. good Light word. Up lots of candles. really good teaching you ought to teach more <laughs> you're gonna podcast and teach oh, i learned yeah. from you dr green uh, you got it you're, you're the one this so i always choice. ask my guests i'm here in israel and and as you know we are uh we are the center of the world attention for, for good and for bad. We are the central of, center of this war of good and evil from across the world. And I believe that our safety, our freedom r really is, is powered by the prayers of the people. So I always mm -hmm. ask if you wouldn't mind leading us in a prayer for Israel. I would be honored to pray. You know, I want to ask your audience that, ma'am. I mean, you just blessed mm -hmm. me so much right there. Just what you said. Uh, I've got a a soft heart and God gave it to me for Israel and for you. And, and um, I just want to ask your, your folks before we pray, when is the last time you prayed for Israel? Mm. And, you know, I, I, I asked that about my kids. When's the last time you prayed for your children, your grandchildren, yeah. your neighbor? I, that seems like a fair question. But when has anyone even asked you, when is the last time you directly went to the Lord and prayed for Israel? So let's do that together. And, and make this a habit. Make it an everyday thing when you wake up in your prayer time. Consider Israel on your prayer list. If it's not there, would you put it there? So, Heavenly Father, I pray for peace in Israel. I pray for the mothers who send their children to the army. I remember the last time I spoke with Yael, and it moved me so much that I, I tell people about it every day, that every mother faces the day when every one of her children will have to serve in the army. Lord, may there come a time when that's not needed, Amen. that our children don't have to go in to battle or the threat of war or to, to live in fear of a mortar fire that could happen in my home or, or in my courtyard or in a place that we pass every day and consider it home and be destroyed by an enemy. Lord, we pray for our enemies. We pray for peace to come over them. Lord, but I pray for fertile ground to continue to grow in Israel. I pray for uh, what I know to be a, a growing export area to just grow even more, to provide an even more stable economy for Israelites, Amen. for the economy to grow and prosper and lead to more growth and more prosperity. I pray for all those who seek Aliyah. May, may they find it. May they find their way home. May they find it easily and, and without great strain on their current life that if they're trying to get back to their homeland, make an easy path for them. I pray for the ministry of Yael and her husband and their families and, and all the people who work 
in this ministry that's so powerful and, and so extensive. I, I don't know all of it, but I know that what I know is extensive and powerful. So I pray for this ministry. I pray that you would provide funding that it may go forth to all the places of the world that they travel and that they work and they minister. I thank you for their lives that are dedicated to you, that they give to you, that they've raised their children to fear you in a biblical way. God, I just, uh, I love the people of Israel. And I pray that all of us would grow in love as we pray, that each prayer would give us another uh, cell of love. Just more growth. Help me to love Israel more and to love the people of Israel and to find ways of bridging the gap. May we all be bridge builders between Israel and the world as we know that we will return to Israel and that your foot will step on that great mountain. So, Lord, take this prayer from my heart, and may it be so. And may El continue to minister in power and in might and with the authority and wisdom given her. I pray blessings on her and her people. Amen. Wow, Dr. Green, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for praying with us. Thank you for praying for us. I'm going to yes. ask you to end with one special Bible verse that is your go-to Bible verse when yeah. things get hard that we can leave our listeners with. I gave you one. This is my life verse. It's Romans 14, 17. It's real simple. The kingdom, God, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. Isn't that, if you start there, this is what it's not. It's not all the stuff that we're suffering for and that we're efforting for. It's not about that. But of righteousness, love, power in the Holy Ghost. It's just, it's right thinking. Righteousness is translated right thinking. Romans 14, 17, read it from your version and focus on what it isn't and make sure you're not questing after those and then see what he says it is and quest after those. That's my life verse. That's what I'm after. Righteousness, wow. peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. May we all merit. Thank you, Dr. Steve yes. Green, for joining us. It's been wonderful. I'm so honored to be with you. You blessed me today. Just you your smile, how you smile at the scripture, how you smile at the word of God, uh, who you are as a person, your heart just emanates from watching you. I got to see you during this podcast and I'm so blessed by you. God bless your podcast. May it grow in bounty. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Conversations with Yael podcast. If you like what you have heard, please check out my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, that explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith with inspirational and ancient teachings. You can also visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. Follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next month.